Welcome, children, <laughs> to the Earth Wants You. The Earth is looking for you. Life will lose you. Well, the Earth wants you. It's a radio show. It's a podcast. It's a way of life. And it's a project of the Church of Stop Shopping, a New York City institution. Amen, praise be. And as a uh, representative at this very moment of this radio show, I'd just like to mention that uh, the co-host here is Savitri D. Savitri, amen. Good morning, listeners. I'm Reverend Good Billy. Good evening, listeners. Good night, Oh, listeners. yes, yes. Whatever time of day it might be, whatever phase of the moon you're, you're dancing under. Hallelujah. Now, we want to welcome you right here at the top to something that surpasses, that outmaneuvers, Killian, the word maneuver. You can take that back to Ireland with you. Maneuver. Got an E and a U. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we, um, we, of course, are available on Facebook and, and, and Twitter and all, all the rest, uh, but we want to insist that you experiment with the idea of a direct relationship. A direct relationship is, is, the, is the most sophisticated, 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 sophisticated kind of media that there is when we talk and we listen to each other. And we learn to say the word sophisticated. Amen. That uh, talking and listening is, uh, is the best modern media let's right. let's That's all say or, that to silicon the valley original together. media the mm. original media talking and listening i talk you listen you listen i talk let's do it together so we're we're talking to you right now and you can you can communicate with us at RevBilly at RevBilly.com and we'll talk back to you we'll share what you've got to say with the stop shopping choir we're just out here in new york We've fired the patriarch. We're a church that is in recovery from our grandparents' fundamentalism. And we, uh, we say life hallelujah a lot, right? Who do we pray to? It's not so much a who as a Gaia. Hallelujah. We're crapping on capitalism every chance we have. Amen. I mean, let's just get down to it. Let's say, say what we That's mean. Right. Say what you mean. The earth is teaching us this. Amen. There's no radical like the earth. Praise be. Savitri, speaking of the radical earth... Do you have some news for us? I do. Whoa, it's time for the, the news from the natural world. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. 95% of all adults tested in the U.S. had known carcinogenic chemical bisphenol A in their urine. 83% of samples of tap water tested in seven countries were found to contain plastic microfibers. Microfibers. Tiny little fibers and earlier oh this year the river Thames in manchester england was found to have 501 7,000 500,000 17,000 particles of plastic per cubic meter of sediment that's nearly double Ooh. the highest concentration ever measured across the world so per cubic meter of sediment we were just there we were just thousand particles of plastic Eight million metric tons of plastic, bottles, packaging, and other waste are dumped into the ocean every year. In the 1950s, the world made about two tons, two million tons of plastic a year. Now that figure is 330 million tons a year. Oh. <laughs> it's oh. set to treble again by 2050, which would leave us at 990 million tons a year. 40% of plastic produced globally is destined for single-use packaging. 
Annual consumption of plastic bottles is set to top half a trillion by 2021, far outstripping recycling efforts and jeopardizing oceans, coastlines, and other environments. More than 480 billion plastic drinking bottles were sold in 2016, up from about 300 billion a decade ago. If placed end-to-end, -end, they would extend more than halfway to the sun. Wow. By 2021, this will increase to 583.3 billion plastic drinking bottles sold. Scientists at Ghent University in Belgium recently calculated people who ingest, who eat seafood, ingest up to 11,000 tiny pieces of plastic every Stop year. Stop this, savagery. Yeah. Coca-Cola produces more than 100 billion throwaway plastic bottles every year. Stop it. That's 3,400 a second. And that is the end of the plastic news. We'll move on to chemicals now. 50 <laughs> people have died since the 1980s while using the chemical methylene chloride, a toxic chemical in paint removers. 50 people. Uh, this is not a highly regulated chemical. <clears throat> it's in paint thinner. So if you strip your door, that's what you're breathing in. 50 people have died using it. The melting of the Greenland ice sheet has nearly doubled since the end of the 19th century and is currently melting at its fastest rate in at least 400 years. Researchers at the Yale School of Public Health have discovered that the rates of two major sexually transmitted infections, gonorrhea and chlamydia, are 21% and 19% higher, respectively, in Ohio counties with high shale gas activity, otherwise known as fracking. Why? Hmm. Because shale gas extraction is associated with large influxes of specialized trained workers into rural areas to meet the labor demands of the drilling rigs and commonly involves the formation of work camps composed of relatively young men. The influx of workers in these situations is thought to increase STI risk because guess what? Young men like to have sex. Oh, Congress damn. also allocated $1.6 billion to build 33 miles of new barriers around the refuge. Oh, no, I have to go back because I, I missed the incredibly the important punchline. early part of that news item. I'll get to it later. China met its 2020 carbon intensity target, the amount of carbon dioxide its producers um, it produces per unit of economic growth. 2020 carbon intensity target. They are three years ahead of schedule. China is leading the way on climate change. Amazing. They met their 2020 carbon intensity target three years ahead of schedule. The winter calving season for critically endangered right whales has nearly ended with zero newborns spotted in the last four months of reproductive drought. The scientists who oh. study the fragile species have, haven't seen in decades. A study shows half of Alberta's boreal forest could disappear in just over 80 years due to wildfires and climate change. A recently published study focused on a small group of pregnant women in Indiana finds nearly all of them have detectable levels of a heavily used herbicide in their body, glyphosate. It is an herbicide ingredient used in GMO products like corn and soybeans. And the research found a link between levels of glyphosate and shortened pregnancy length, which can be dangerous for women and babies. Uh, it is thought the contamination is coming from food supplies. Oh, amen. Well. The study also shows rural women have higher levels of glyphosate. No surprise there. Dog brain scans show, you can see in this scan of a dog's brain, if they are looking at a happy or sad face. Dogs can tell if you are happy or sad. So I have to smile around dogs <laughs> now? <laughs> a Jupiter-like planet has been found orbiting a star just 12 light years from Earth, making it the closest confirmed gas giant found outside our solar system. 
And finally, for our young guests today, it may be time to tailor students' class schedules to their natural biological rhythms. A study shows that students whose circadian <laughs> rhythms were out of sync with their class schedules received lower grades due to what is now being called social jet lag, a condition which, in which peak alertness times are at odds with work school or other demands as a night owl i can attest to this this is a, a fact social jet lag and now i have something to call it and i can explain to people why i don't perform well at certain times of day as a night owl you can explain that to your family but it, it I mean, is we, we want to know what's going on here yeah you know mommy's still asleep it's 11 in the morning what's going on Ooh, i like that growl <laughs> So a lot of plastic news today, a lot of toxic news today. Um, I think we are seeing a, a lot of new research right now showing us how inundated we are by uh, microplastics and very organic Because compounds. we have in the Volatile room. Volatile organic compounds. Because we have in the room today um, representatives of, a, of an action that took place Wednesday rally in March and action um, in response to Stefan Clark's murder. Um, Kayla and George and Wally. Hello. Across the table. Amen. It, it, m my taking in this news, uh, I immediately think, well, what, I immediately go to what can we do? It, I'm not in the theoretical mindset anymore. It's, it's not like I'm reading the newspaper. It, it, having you here I immediately think of what's to be done boy I don't come up with anything we've had scary studies we know we're being poisoned and we know that that the toxicity hits uh, the people of color and 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 the working poor uh, worse than anybody else and uh, not least of which because those populations those communities don't have uh, the same medical uh, the same medical facilities uh, so the, the 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 revolution that would have to take place for these these studies of toxicity to be responded to we're, we're having our regulatory agencies dismantled by Trump well we're there's one really simple way to change all this which is to stop making new plastic Oh, there you go. Many people will tell well, you that as, as the climate change fight heats up, right? Excuse me. That's one of the biggest industries as in the, the country. As the climate change <laughs> fight How you intensifies do that, and, and becomes an, an imperative uh, for nation states around the world, and, and uh, emissions become the issue, right? It, all of that fossil fuel will still be used. It will be used to make more plastics. Well, how do we this is stop the future plastics? Of, you just said that word, fuel. stop plastics. It's like stopping racism. How, how, how do you... I think it's time to uh, how do you do dispel it? The, 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 the rational logic that you just used on me. How do we do it? Oh, that industry's too big. We have to believe that we can just stop making plastics. We didn't have okay. plastic for millions of years. <laughs> we were all fine. And the human species did great without plastic for, you know, millions of years. And the idea that we need it or that we, we are somehow um, unable to have the faith have that we can change if there's one thing we've learned in the last few weeks it's that you can uh, just simply shift your imaginative capacity and 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 all right you can do that praise be you can, don't get we'll stuck do in that idea that you can't do it 
Let's listen to a song. Get Home Safe. This is for Stefan Clark and all, all of our brothers and sisters murdered by police. Monday at the deli, talking all at once. Grabbing hands and shouting, get home safe. Tuesday school's out early, wandering through the park. Throwing shade and laughing, get home safe. Wednesday after practice, walking to the train. Streets alive of heartache, get home safe. Working late on Thursday, trying to stay awake. Parking lot is empty, get home safe. Hand down, brother down. Hand down, brother down. Friday's family dinner, don't be late. Can't keep your mom waiting, get home safe. Saturday's a wedding, girls dress up. Watching out the window, get Safe and even Sunday, there's no resting. Even Sunday, get home safe. Man down, brother down. Man down, brother down. Man down, brother down. Man down, brother down. Stefan Clark. Let's go to a clip of Stevante Clark in Sacramento at the city council hearing. Stefan's brother. Stefan Clark! Stefan Clark! Stefan Clark! Stefan Clark! So this is a clip, Stevante Clark and a number of other activists in Sacramento who've been really raising hell and, and thank, bless them. Thank you, people. Thank um, you. Interrupting a city council hearing in Sacramento, California, where Stefan Clark was brutally murdered by cops, 20 shots in the backyard of his grandparents' house. So we have with us here today um, some wonderful people who... Uh, we're at a rally on Wednesday night in New York City for Stefan Clark against police brutality generally. And I just want to introduce them one by one. Um, Kayla Pop, who is with the Workers World Party and works closely with the Shut It Down crew here in New York City. And then we have uh, Walter and George Elliott. Welcome, Kayla. Two uh, Brooklyn youth 
who were at the rally on Wednesday night, and we're just going to talk um, amongst ourselves about what happened and uh, how these issues are affecting um, us and also other young people, right, um, and what to do now. What's next? So uh, we always start by asking, welcome to all three of you. We, we start by asking our guests just for a very brief description of your favorite place on earth. A couple words about that place. You want to start, George? Oh, yeah. Um, my, my grandma's from Bermuda, and um, until she died last year, she still had a house there, and we'd spend most of our summers um, uh, in Bermuda, and, and my favorite spot in the world is sitting, and I, I probably went to this spot for the last time a couple, of we a couple of weeks ago, but my favorite spot in the world is sitting on the end of her dock, and, and um, like very late at night, and, the star and uh, during a clear night, you can see all the stars, and on the left, there's, there's one light that kind of shines down the water. And on the right, there's the old um, uh, pylons that used to carry the, they used to support the railroad across the sound, which is the, the, inner, the inner part of the, of the island. It kind of is a, a, a still water uh, area. And, you, and there's like birds and crickets and uh, tree frogs. And f you can hear f like fish jumping every, every like couple minutes. It's like a big jump. And sometimes if you're really lucky, Late at night, on like a full moon when the water's really clear, um, you can see like uh, eagle rays going by the dock through the water. That's wow. Really nice, yeah. How about you, Kayla? Um, my favorite place is my great-grandfather's library in Peru. Um, he was a revolutionary and journalist back in Peru um, in his younger years. And he has a library full of different books. I mean, he's read so much. He used to read like three newspapers a day at 94. And just, you know, sitting with him, he has a big window outside. And you can see the entire street, the moto taxis riding by and just talking to my great grandfather and learning from him. Like he was, he knows so much. He met Fidel, he met Che. Um, of course, that doesn't exist anymore because he just passed, but that was my favorite place. Right on. Watch you, Wally. Amen. Um, I would probably go with George, and my favorite place is probably also Bermuda, because we share a grandmother. Um, but like secondarily, I love Prospect Park. I spend most of my time there with like my friends or just kind of anyone. And it's a place like you just—it's like everyone's friends in a way, and you can make friends without having known them previously or having plans to like know them for a long time. So I love it there. Great. So, um, well. Wally, you were arrested on Wednesday night. Tell us about your arrest. What happened? Um, it was like I was with my brother, and, and we saw these these kids organize like a like an impromptu like sit down in the street thing, because like we we were being barricaded from the street by the police at the Stefan Clark rally, yeah. And so I joined it, and then and then there's a, a police officer whispered to me like, "Would you like to get up?" and all that like and walk away, and I I, I, I like ignored him or said something like sassy. And then so he, he, he zip-tied my hands. Yeah, yeah. So he just arrested you straight up. He said mm -hmm. he gave you a warning, and then he arrested you. Boom. How long did yeah. that take? The, the arrest? Mm -hmm. It was like we were sitting on the ground for like a minute, and then like behind me I could, I could hear um, like, like, the, like the, uh, the higher-up police officers just being like, oh, yeah, just grab them about us. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> just snatch them, which is. They were the white shirts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, it was just like it felt like kidnapping. So, Kayla, you w did you help organize that rally? You want to talk a little bit about the rally and how it came to be? 
Yeah, so we found out about the news about um, Stefan Clark last week. And as you know, New York City shut it down. Every Monday has a action where they speak about somebody who has died. But since this was just so recent, it was very impromptu. Um, the day before, we had a planning meeting about everything that was happening. We were literally staping all the signs that we had there, figuring out exactly what we're going to do, who's going to MC, who's going to do all these different like positions. Um, and but it, we were so surprised at how quickly it picked up, right? We, the, the event page was posted a few days before, and by the day of, there were thousands, like I think three thousand and seven hundred people that had either liked it or were interested, said they were going, and and I believe that on that night there were at least like a thousand, if not two thousand. I'm trying to be conservative here. <laughs> Thank you, Kayla. Why do you think there was such a response to this? Many of you. I mean, why do you think, why were you there, George? Like, why did you go? Um, uh, in the past couple of weeks, I've been, I just got back. I was traveling for a while. I've been trying to look for ways to get reinvolved. And most of that has been in, in climate-related stuff. So, um, but I, I actually just, I, I actually deleted my Facebook a while ago, but I saw the event on my, on my brother's Facebook when I was regressing and scrolling down his feed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you can confess to the <laughs> Confess to the church. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, and and I I checked it out and I saw a bunch of people I knew were going uh, uh, had said they were going to it and asked my brother if he wanted to go and then we ended up. Well, there was there. a feeling, uh, the feeling um, this week. Um, it does recall Michael Brown, Eric Garner. Mm -hmm. it, re it recalls the the um, murders that um, sweep through the community, you know. And we just all feel it. We all feel it so strong. Do you think there was also a response, like, uh, I think there was also some white guilt going on, right, for people because of Parkland and feeling like, oh, my God, we organized this huge, huge rallies and everyone's responding and up in arms and schools are walking out and then a young black man is killed and, we have to respond, right? I definitely saw some of that going on, which, I mean, is true, right? I mean, it's not the right reason necessarily, but it is true that one has to respond to both. D did you, was there talk ab about that amongst your communities, any of you? Um, I wasn't, that wasn't a, a, for me, I don't think that was a part of the, m my process for going maybe, but I think there was a really good part of the, the rally before the march that kind of addressed that and was saying like that was addressed specifically to like the like the white protesters saying like it's not enough just to show up every once in a while you have to like address the the stuff in your community you have to address the stuff in your Kayla. circles yeah. um my party workers world party we actually went to the march for our lives rally in the city um and i was really reluctant cuz you know the liberal politics about that but it, w it tr pr turned out to be really um, effective to pass out. We passed out over 3,000 flyers and ended up chanting over and over. Um, and we did see like a lot of people that were there came and reused their signs. Like That's how I could specifically remember that. But I do I agree with what you're saying. The, the conversation that centralizes around the Parkland thing completely ignores the gun violence perpetuated by the state, which is very extremely harmful and also enables the white nationalism that happened. I mean, Nicholas Cruz had SWAT stickers on mm -hmm. his guns mm -hmm. and 
he was trained by a white nationalist group, Republic of Florida. The mass shootings are a direct cause of white supremacy that goes hand in hand with police state violence. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I do want to say just mm. that we know that 30 percent of the, the youth at Parkland are kids of color right and and did we see them in the media not very much right but i do, i do want to just shout out to the young people who did get media attention that they kept trying to refocus the attention on those kids they so, did they tried you to know, th- those yeah. kids are doing the best they can do so i i want to be careful not to like put pressure on them to be it's not um it's not their fault those kids fault right it's um it's something that's happening systemically and the white supremacy you're talking about is right at the root of that and i think you're right um to talk about the if you could talk a little bit more about that white nationalism um, and, and what that looks like to you from your perspective as a, as a, um, a descendant of Peruvian revolutionaries, what does white supremacy mean to you? So white supremacy, I, I see it ever growing. It's a threat to my entire existence. It is inherently violent. What it wants is to ethnically cleanse people that look like me, people that are different than what is the idea of a clean race. I mean, it doesn't, even some white people are affected by it too, like Caucasians and Slavic people, um, Jewish people, like Ashkenazi Jewish people. This is something that should be taken very much more seriously. I mean, we're seeing what's happening in West Ukraine. What happens when you don't do anything about white nationalism? And it's Uh never in the discussion in the United States. It is, capitalism and white supremacy are at the roots of most violent crimes that happen here you're three times more likely to be killed by a domestic white terrorist than you are an international terrorist but that never gets mentioned um and i I totally think that this could have been much more prevented if we actually focus the narrative Mm. on the growing threat of white nationalism and what that means to the the american public it is terrorism um, it makes people that look like me feel afraid where we go, certain communities we cannot go to, uh, what uh-huh. we can say. And it's so frustrating to not see people talking about something that is so obvious to people that are affected by it. Um, it is a direct threat to our existence. Mm-hmm. Nothing about that speech, nothing about that ideology can be peaceful. Nothing. Mm. Um, so Wally and George, you know, you grew up in Brooklyn, right? Like you grew up in progressive Brooklyn, right? And you went to progressive schools and you have a wonderful parents, you know, who your dad works in the, in the school system. Um, you know, did, was this something that was addressed directly in your education? Like the white supremacy as a concept or as a reality, how did this come down into your lives? Um, at my high school, uh, whenever it was addressed, it was addressed like by student initiatives. Uh-huh. But um, the uh, the administration never really addressed it, and to be honest, part of the reason why it w- wasn't addressed is because I went to like a specialized high school, essentially. A special ed? What? Uh, specialized. Uh, like a specialized high school. Specialized. Hunter College High School, where like demographically, three um, percent of the student population was black, and or two percent was black and one percent was Hispanic. And and like comparing what? that to the public school That's system, where how come, there, how come there's a school like that? What, why would such a school exist? So the the way the, uh, the, the way Hunter like um, Hunter Hunter College High School uh, ex- exists by they invite people who score really well on state state exams to take a special Hunter exam, um, but 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 essentially to get to the point where you're even taking that test, 
um, you need to you need to have the tutoring as a kid. You need to have the parents who read right. to you, the parents who help you with your homework, and then you also even even have to know what Hunter is in the first place. There are dozens of kids who get kids who get the letter saying, "Here, come take this test," but they don't know what the school is. Why would they want to take a forty-minute subway ride into mm-hmm. into the Upper East Side to go to a high school they never heard about? So it, it's a product of a lot of different uh, like systems and, and and stuff. But should abolish that. That's just not. Mm-hmm. That's not the way. That's a public school. It's a it's a public school. is run by CUNY. So but amongst your peers, I mean, there mm-hmm. must be discussion about this, right? I guess that's my point. Is like, well, are you talking about it? You talk about it, right? I mean, you, while you talk about going to Prospect Park, you can meet people there and be friends there. Like that is a a, a de- democratized space, right? You mm-hmm. can go and like your school might be segregated, but you can go to the park and you can desegregate there, right? I mean, where yeah. is it happening that you're meeting people of color if they're not in your schools? Um, well, like, uh, just like in, in like, this is just like kind of like a funny thing is I was at a, I was at a, at a party last night and it was, um, I just ran into a lot of people that I saw at the rally and we just kind of like got into the whole like conversation and it was like, I don't know. And like last, like last night it, it was like kind of like, uh, I got very excited by seeing like a lot of people around me and <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, uh, like, um, th- uh, there was like a community created, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of just like th- through the shared experience of that protest, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it was like, it was that excitement or like that kind of like helped build like a space in which we can sp- like speak outside of like the confines of like certain institutions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also just like separately. Absolutely. Like, I've spent like the mm-hmm. last like eight years in a high school where like white supremacy and, and like uh, institutional racism and in, like in like American history is like kind of like the focus of like a lot of like our uh like classwork or coursework right and so and but like even then it's it it always seems a bit like even like that being like uh part of like like the coursework of my school it always seemed a little bit forced and as if like people didn't speak with their own like beliefs mm-hmm. you know or like with with like new or original thought and i think that that's like kind of a like a like an inherent problem with like uh uh-huh, uh-huh. with like institutional like directed discussion right, in itself right. is that uh to an extent like you, it's like not ever really self-expression right it's like directed expression mm-hmm. and so it's like those kind of mm-hmm. spaces just like don't have the same like uh like mood and then therefore like effect you know well kayla can you talk to us a little bit about like movements being led by people of color and what that looks like now versus a couple of years ago even and how it's going to look in the future and and i mean what you would like if you were the teacher of these schools right with the education you have and the knowledge you have and the history you have you know how would you address this problem well people of color leading revolutions has been constant since we were our Africans' ancestors were brought to the shores of these, this country and all of in the Americas. We resisted from the beginning of time. Um, Tupac Amaru, a revolutionary Peruvian, we've been resisting. We've been resisting white supremacy and colonization. Um, Black Panthers, this has been a constant thing, but people are noticing now, and the world is noticing now. Oppressed nations of the, other, of the world are also noticing. If I worked at one of these institutions or if I was in it, I think, especially if it was predominantly a white school, I would definitely stress the need for our white allies to break down white nationalism, break down white supremacy, and realize how capitalism completely reinforces that. Um, 
But like they said, a slew of reasons as to why this specialized high school is predominantly pe white people than like people of color. Um, and that's just the disparities of education in different communities, the lack of resources, the lack of opportunity to be able to do this. I mean, poor kids of color are worried about if we're gonna eat tomorrow, not so much, where am I going to school? What like cute little high school can <laughs> I go to? Um, yeah. Well, the, the, uh, the old fashioned idea of excellence, you know, uh, doing really well on standardized tests and um, um, matching the expectations of an idea of being superior <laughs> in a particular discipline um, and, and to have a resistance to that called immediately political correction. You know, there's like, there's this preemptive guilt. The the right wing has a a an anger that comes up right away, and a finger the finger pointing, being politically correct again. Uh, the, the that shouldn't be in the schools. That that I I look to I look to schools as as one of the places where, you know, anybody who was on that that walk on the seventeenth. Uh, not the 17th, the 17-minute walk. Remember, it wasn't the on the 17th. The walkout, yeah. <laughs> Anyone who was on the walkout. I don't remember what the day was, but it was 17 minutes. Uh, thousands upon thousands of people, kids. Um, and it, they forced the issue. It came from kids. It was from young people. Uh, left and walked around their schools, rallied, educated themselves, educated passersby, um, I look to schools to be one of the American institutions where there's a hope that white supremacy can be can be defeated. Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that the that evidence naive? would bear that out at all. I mean, I look to the party you went to last night. That's this. Those are the spaces where I think things actually do break down. I think and political rallies like I think the, the not just the bonding, but like the learning that can go on, say, when you're arrested with someone and you're in a jail cell with them. Time is very strange. You're under pressure. You, you see right in front of you the way people are treated differently. You see how you're treated versus your you know, your black friend you're arrested with. I mean, you see these differences mm -hmm. and they're and they're heightened and amplified by the pressure of the situation. I think being on the street with people is an amazing way to break break walls down. But I mean the question is like, is that important to do now? And I think that's the question we all have to ask. Is it is it important? Is is desegregation important? Is diversity important? Um, because what I see a lot of in movements right now is a lot of self-segregation, which is also like legitimate, right? It's legitimate for people of color right now to be like, I don't want to organize with white people, you know? I, I, I totally respect and understand that, or I don't understand it. I respect it, you know, from my position. Um, but like when I've been on the street, you know, and I, and I feel that in intense mixing that like it's, um, to me, that's the best part of my life. That's the best my life ever is. You know, that's the most I ever believe in my life and the life of my species, you know. And why? Is it the, is it the lack of institutions around us? Is it the, the possibility, the potentiality? Um, the is dancing. It, is it the, the anti-authoritarianism? Is it, do you have something you want to respond? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, it's like, um, I, I just love where, like, the, like the, the direction of this conversation, because it's like, <laughs> 
uh, Reverend, you were talking about like how you how you wish you could look to schools as like a symbol for hope that like humanity in a way can like get better and white supremacy can end, right? But then at the same time, it's like in doing so, when you when you look towards institutions for those things, right? You kind of lose a little bit of your independence because then when you see that 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 are that NYC has some of the most like segregated schools in the nation, right? Yeah. Then you feel oh it, it it is hopeless when in reality there can be hope like just simply like in spaces or like among people like separately from institutions, right? And so like the importance of that, right? Of like uh, of like assembling like outside outside of like um like uh or like like having like expression that's like uh, or like for example the protest it was like I felt very like expressive that night uh -huh, and yeah. and it was it was it was like a wonderful feeling because it was it was like it was it was uh it was very empowering just to be able to like kind of like um like walk like walk on like kind of like reclaim the streets right just like that in itself is like very empowering and so it's it's i think it's kind of important to like to look for that kind of hope like inward and among like like people who you have relationships with rather than like towards institutions which like continuously fail us in that way amen you know well the institutions um uh need to change simply because there's such a large number of 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 people who are under the sway of institutions and institutions have become so conservative so uh, institutions are so tied into war so tied into racism and sexism um having some of these uh, sexual assault bullies toppled from the top of their industries that's been fascinating uh, we have to have that kind of thing um, happening right now because institutions must change. In the environmental movement, the, um, with the exception of P uh, Greenpeace, uh, the, uh, the big environmental groups are dominated by white males. And they take money from oil companies. Money from oil companies. <laughs> uh, they have kind of drifted into the establishment and now the CEOs of these big of these big um, environmental organizations are making as much money as you know the CEOs of corporations so the, the, the how do you but they scarf up 95% of all the money that goes to earth issues which is earth issues impact the powerless impact you know we have we have 60 million people many of them refugees right now from from uh, climate driven problems um, so we have we have very wealthy people controlling money that is supposed to be going <coughs> to climate ch change issues a, a, a species extinction and so forth and 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 they spend it in such a way that it doesn't get to they're like little governments. It, do, it doesn't get to the people that are impacted the most by the floods and the fires, the hurt and the superstorms. Kayla? Yeah, so which, uh, what you're talking about, how I see it is that the way that we break down these institutions, the way that we break down the stealing of money in environmental groups that perpetuate environmental racism and climate change, the institutions that, like schools that are white supremacist based, um, the police force, is that we build a class struggle, right? Um, no matter what, everybody in the working class, where the, whatever gender you are, sexuality, race, we have something in common. We are all being 
crippled by the capitalist system going on right now. And that's why white supremacy is on the rise because poor white folks understand that there is something very wrong with the system and white nationalist groups are prying on them. They're giving them a false enemy, not giving them the ruling class that is also white that is bringing them down, that is still hurting them. Amen. And that's what it is. There it is. There it is. Sister just told the truth here. We, we got, our conversation got somewhere. <laughs> Thank you, Kayla. That, 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 that's the bottom line. Amen. Should we keep talking a while? We have a few yeah. minutes. Let's Go ahead, George. Are, are you like, have you got that mic in front of you like a club or a scepter? Is it a scepter? Are, are you royalty now? Or are you going to talk into it? You know, when we were kids, <laughs> we had an alternative, right? When I was growing up, there was capitalism, but there were other things, right? And in this country, that that idea that there could be an alternative to capitalism, another way of life, really disappeared, right? And we just embraced, as a nation, consumerism as a way of life, capitalism. That's why we're the church of Stop Shopping. It's the, it's the simplest, clearest way to, to say no to capitalism, right? Stop shopping. And that's in the broadest sense. But I wonder for you all, <laughs> you know, looking out at a future that's much longer than mine might be, um, what do you see instead of capitalism? Like what, what is there? What's the alternative? I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit, but I, I just, I mean, I am curious how you look at it. Well, you already know I'm in a Marxist Leninist party. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I see. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Um, yeah, um, it's like a, there's there's a funny thing where it's like people. Um, I think there's like a notion out there, like among like my generation and maybe yours. I'm not sure. In which it's it's uh, everyone likes to like speak on reality and like human nature as if they're like very set, you know. And it's like based from like our very very like limited understanding of or like experience of it, right? Because mm -hmm. like most of me and my friends are only like 17 or whatever. <laughs> but still like it's like it's as if it's as if like uh like a some sort of like creative or like imaginative imaginative sense of like or like a, some sort of a like a sense of like imagination or like a ability to imagine right is kind of like broken down when uh like in, in this world in a weird way and so that uh like it, it's done so so that people can't really like imagine a better world you know or a world that's like that like is based in different values or like mm -hmm. is fundamentally uh -huh. different than it uh -huh. is now right? right and so it's uh it's like it's it's difficult to create change when like when you can't even imagine it you're like it, like you can't even understand yourself in a in a changed way right like when you like if you if you believe like in human nature being inherently bad then like it can never get better or like <laughs> Or like if you if you if it if, if like you feel that like you have like a repressed thoughts you know, mm -hmm. but like, and it's kind of like a self-loathing that comes along with that as yes, well. Yes. That's like very degrading and like uh like de, de uh, debilitating in a way. So it's like, I don't know. I feel and also I was I was at this um at the Just Food conference a while ago. Uh, they were they were talking. Oh, the uh, the Just Food conference is like a conference that happens every year for like urban urban farming and like environmental stuff um <laughs> and uh they were they were talking about like organizing and stuff as 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 kind of science fiction right where it's like 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 egal like uh, like creating like an egalitarian society and all this stuff um like trying like it's all about just like pushing our like limits of like personal imagination and like being able to image like a uh, picture mm -hmm. picture a world before it can like actually be created and so it's like i think a lot of the times an underrated 
method of like activism and organizing is just like personal and like uh, in, like individual liberation, right? Mm, amen. And like practicing amen. like like living a better life and like changing your own like thought through like 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 difficult and like long and like taxing practices and like yeah. I don't know. Thank you, Wally. And um, amen, George. Uh, <coughs> I also think the to build on what I was saying about um, being imaginative. I think it's very important to be imaginative, but also you can look to the hi to history and the, and the past and things that are happening today around the world for other visions of society mm -hmm. because so societies haven't always been uh, capitalistic so societies. There's a million different versions of societies in all the different parts of the world's histories, all the different parts of the world today. And like two examples that that come to mind just because of like things that have been happening in my life right now. Are, or the first example is relating back to the the, the rally on Wednesday night, when um, uh, when my brother Walter was in jail. We we're waiting outside with this big group of of uh, of like of uh, anarchists from I forget the name of the organization, some anarchist organization, Mac, yeah, um, in and they all had food and stuff, and and they're having a really heated conversation, like a very excited conversation about this is the first time I heard about it, but a autonomous region. Um, in the Middle East called Rojava, mm -hmm. which is like a, um, uh, and they're kind of creating like a horizontal egalitarian, uh, like liberated society there. And, and that's happening today in a part of the world that, I that, that is like much more, uh, uh, much higher turmoil than, than right. Brooklyn. Much more right? dangerous, yeah. Much more <laughs> dangerous than Brooklyn. So, um, and the other example that came to mind was right now I'm reading um, homage to Catalonia by George Orwell, Great. and I'm in that part of the book where he's Great describing, <laughs> where, where he's describing like the, um, like this like six month period in in revolution in a, uh, in revolutionary Spain where um, where everybody kind of abandoned all of the like hierarchical values, uh -huh. like they stopped using usted, they stopped saying senor, everyone just said uh, everyone just said like friend, amigo, and and things like Comments, this and. Yeah. And people wore like work clothes all around, and and almost every single um, business w was became a co-op like overnight, things like this, and and like obviously that was like crushed because of like international politics and stuff. But like there are uh, like, there are like clear examples in history and today. Those are my two examples of other types of society. You don't have to be that imaginative. Right. Amen, wow. George. Kayla, Great. can you wrap it up here? Can you give us the final word? Can you? Yes. Preach it, sister. <laughs> yeah. <So> Preach it. <laughs> she can. I know I she can, can. I can do it. <laughs> so to bring it back to Stefan Clark and the systematic murder of black bodies, um, I think the solution is not only disarming the police, but completely abolishing the police. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. There is no reason that something that is inherently anti the people, anti black, they originated from slave catchers, should have guns in their hands. Mm -hmm. the, the license to take life. Um, and I also believe that uh, automatic rifles, they shouldn't be on the streets of Iraq or Yemen or uh, Palestine. They shouldn't be there either, right? Mm -hmm. The United States military is also the largest imperialist force. So if we're going to talk about gun violence, we better talk about the, the state violence too, overseas and here. Right. Um, which is also brings us back to the April 15th action. Yeah. Um, yes. So the Spring Action Coalition is hosting this action April 15th at Herald Square at 2 p.m. to, you know, rally against the wars at home and abroad. So you should definitely come out. 
Amen. I want to thank our wonderful guests today. Thank you. Kayla Pop and George and Walter Elliott. Um, thank you so much for your thoughts today, for your presence. Thank you for your work. Um, look forward to talking with all of you again in the future. And let's go to a song now. Early in the morning. hitting a piece of wood those people were working when they sang that song in a prison in a prison prison so i shouldn't call it working because they weren't choosing Chain to do guy. that work um i Was encourage that everyone alan, uh, lomax yeah, uh, zora neale hurston i can't recording. get out of the alan lomax uh, archives right now i just cannot escape <laughs> them every day i'm listening to them and i encourage all of you to do the same they're free on the internet uh and now we turn to extinctions got talent today the koala famous and wonderful creature critically endangered in the Australian continent. The koala is found in coastal areas of the mainland's eastern and southern regions inhabiting Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, and South Australia. It is easily recognizable by its stout tailless body and large head with round fluffy ears. We all know what a koala looks like. Koalas typically inhabit open eucalypt woodlands and the leaves of those trees make up most of their diet. Because of this diet, and its limited nutritional and caloric content, koalas are largely sedentary and sleep up to 20 hours a day. I wish I did. They are asocial animals, and bonding exists only between mothers and dependent offspring. Adult males communicate with loud bellows that intimidate rivals. Uh, they're marsupials. They give birth to underdeveloped young, and they crawl into their mother's pouches, which is always wonderful to contemplate. <laughs> And young koalas are known as joeys. They're not fully weaned until a year old. The biggest threat to their existence is habitat destruction caused by agricultural and urbanization. Let me add human beings, human agricultural and human urbanization. <laughs> like most of our endangered animals threatened uh, by habitat loss, koalas have few natural predators and parasites, but are threatened by various pathogens, chlamydia, and the koala retrovirus and bushfires and droughts also affect them adversely. And here the sound, the um, surprising sound of the koala. <laughs> Wow. 
wow, who knew a koala? Cute, what was that growl at the end? Cuddly it- koala could sound like that. Woo. Was that a lion that just ate the koala there at the end? There's a big growl. No, there are no lions in Australia, <laughs> as far as I know. Well, we are here with Caleb Pop and George and Wally Elliott, who live in Horace Court. Savitri D. and Killian Sunderman. Killian, thank you for setting this up today. We have a common task. We feel, we certainly felt it today at this table. How do we break through? How does the racism, the lazy habits of continuing to allow capitalism to go forward, the lack of courage, the 74 automatic things that we have, habits inside of ourselves that the people at the tops of the corporations and governments know that we're going to do those 74 things again, again, and again. They're count, they count on us being collaborators with them, and, and we, each of us now has a job. We have a job to join in comradeship, to risk life and limb with our, our fellows because in the United States we never had any kind of change that didn't have that sort of risk. Some of us will die. We have to know that, accept it. But we have to go forward to save life. We have to risk life to save life. And we're at that point in, right now. We're persuaded that we're not at that point by the corporate media raining down on us, persuading us that we're not living in the present tense. No, we're here now, and we're responsible for what is happening to us right now. We're not drifting forward into the next seconds and minutes and months where products and policies and various kinds of um, things from the past jump into the future and take us along. That river, that river of normalcy is false. It's racist. It's sexist. It has all kinds of things in it. Classism. It is automatically cruel to many of us. Now we have Stefan Clark. We have him running to his grandmother's back door. We have him turning with his iPhone in his hand. And he's surrounded by a bunch of wired cops shouting, gun, 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 and filling him with 20 bullets. With Sean Bell, with Amado Diallo, we just have a trail, a parade of, of, of people going back through time, murdered by that edge of capitalism, by that edge, by that manifestation of, of fundamentalistic, predatory colonialism. And it, it comes from our bad habits. It comes from those 74 things that we just, we continue to do every day. We've got to be hard on ourselves now. That's not joyless because joy Joy helps us change. We felt the joy in this, in this prison song just now. Coming from undoubtedly people that all died long ago, including the people that recorded it, but uh, people who may have lived uh, short, violent lives, but they're joyous there. And finding freedom that then comes to us. And we, can, we, can, we have to do our part. We're in some sort of prison. We keep calling ourselves free, 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 great, great, great. We are in some kind of, we are in some kind of very limited situation. We have to bust out. Mm-hmm. We have to bust out. We have to rise up. 
It's about music. It's about love. It's about fierce, fierce comradeship. It's about walking forward and taking back those institutions. It's about taking care of each other, making making co-ops, making ways to live together that are new, that are exciting, and then turning to the violent people and stopping their violence. That's right. Amen. 